great. Kyle and Doug, great to be with you guys this morning. This is Harrison Brooks. Harrison Brooks at Reagan Consulting. So today we're going to have podcast for Agency Nation, a conversation about ownership transfer, perpetuation. Some people call it passing the torch from one generation to the next. How do you transition ownership? Definitely a topic here at Reagan Consulting that we're passionate about. And we spend a lot of time helping agents and brokers navigate through just like you guys did at Smart Insurance. And so today is really to hear your story and to put that into a framework for everyone listening if they're going through a similar transition in terms of perpetuation. Kyle and Doug, what I thought we would do is kind of take the next, you know, 20 to 30 minutes and ask you your story. So at Reagan, we think about perpetuation of an insurance agency really you have to have four things to make perpetuation successful. You've got to have a healthy operation. It's got to be a good business performing well. You have to have reasonable sellers. And I look forward to talking about, I'm sure you guys have some stories for some, how do you define reasonable? You have to have able buyers. And then you've got to have an effective transfer mechanism. What's the technique and how you're going to get stock from one generation to the next. So those are the four pillars that we kind of see at the core of internal perpetuation that we've built our entire perpetuation consulting practice around. But today, it's, this is not about Reagan and our thoughts on perpetuation. This is about smart insurance and the story of how you guys put this together and pulled it off. So I'd love to turn it over to Kyle, you and Doug to introduce yourselves. And then we'll tell a little bit about the agency too, kind of where you guys are located, how big you are a number of employees, that kind of stuff. So people can kind of wrap their brains around it. And then I'll pile into some questions. So please introduce yourselves. All right. Well, I guess I'll go first. My name is Kyle Becker. I am the currently the vice president of Smart Insurance. We, when I got here, we were about a $5 million agency. Currently, we, we should finish a year knocking on about 11. So over the over period of about 10 years, we've We've doubled the size of the agency. Uh, we have three locations uh, in central Kansas currently, about 13 employees and and family agency that Doug started. So yeah, that's that's who that's who I am and who we are. So I'll turn it over to Doug. Thanks, Kyle and uh, Harrison. We I worked for a crop insurance company in the through the late 80s and the 90s. My wife and I both got tired of me being gone. And in 91, I gave my resignation to the insurance company, the crop company I was working for and looked for a little agency to buy. And my father had a friend in Abilene and make a long story short, we were able to purchase this agency. So I worked for him for a year and then he worked for me for a year after the transition to buy him out. And he was writing about a million one at that time. So we had a nice steady growth. We tried to get 10% a year. It was always our goal. It got to the point that number one, I couldn't keep up. Number two, I needed somebody that was going to take over down the road. And Kyle was our local car sales manager, and he wouldn't leave me alone selling cars. He was in my office every week. And when he'd come and ask for for me to buy a car, he'd also ask me when I was going to sell him my insurance agency. So make a long story short. He didn't know anything about insurance. That's the best part about that, right? He didn't know anything. He knew that you had to have insurance on a car. You had to have insurance on a house. I knew it was a lot easier than selling cars because once you sold them a policy, there's a good chance you were going to get another one the next year. That's right. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. The best part of business is that it renews every year. 
I'll tell you, it is the secret sauce. I, that's you know, that's so, exactly you know, right. A little tangent, but so many people in our industry talk about how do you get new producers into our industry and young folks into our industry. And I remember having a conversation with a friend and he was he was in sales and, you know, had to hit his monthly quotas and his annual quotas. And, and I said, man, you really should consider selling insurance. And he's like, I don't know about insurance. And then and then I introduced this concept of renewal income. And yeah. uh, his, his eyes got about, you know, as big as yeah. his head and, uh, and the light bulb went off. And so it is a beautiful business, but uh, one where with the age demographic, the average ownership age in our industry is 57 years old. So yeah. young people coming in. So there's plenty of room to, to share. So yeah. Doug, that's cool. So that's a helpful kind of framework on the history. So would love to, would love to hear you kind of segue into my first question a little bit, which is, you know, Kyle was selling you a car. He got to know you in the community. You know, he said, I want to buy your agency. I'm sure it was, uh, you know, offhand joking at first, but a little bit of seriousness to it as well, knowing Kyle. But so tell us, tell me a little bit about, you know, how the conversation started. You know, so take it from that moment, the very first time he said it on the car lot. How did the conversation start and kind of how did it evolve from there? To where it really got serious from that perspective. So, so yeah, very similar path to Doug. I was putting a lot of hours in. Didn't get to see my my wife and kids much. Usually got Sundays off, and then you know occasionally you got a day a week off, and they weren't home then. So started going in and just touching base with Doug because because I needed a change too, and you know walked in and asked everybody in the office if they were ready to buy something and show off a new car and then then just sneak back to Doug's office and say, Hey, you ready to hire me? And he and uh and sell me the business and he'd say no. And it was it was about that quick, but I learned a long time ago that no doesn't mean no forever. It just means no right now. And so a couple of weeks would go by and I'd come in and we'd repeat the same process. And and this was, you know, three to six months of me not, you know, taking no for an answer, knowing that it may, may happen and it may not. And one day and about the same time of year, early October, late September, somewhere in there, he, he calls me and says, what are you doing? I said, well, it's Thursday, 10 in the morning. I said, I'm smoking a brisket and I'm drinking a beer. And he goes, it's Thursday at 10 in the morning. I said, it's the only day off I've had all, all month besides Sundays. That's what I'm doing. He goes, well, I'll be in your, I'll be in your driveway in five minutes. And Doug pulls in like Doug does and says, all right, well, I'm ready to hire you. And I said, you're going to sell it to me when you're done. And he said, yep, you're going to have to have a lot of money. And I said, well, we'll, we'll figure that part out. I'm not, not scared of that. And less than 30 days later, I'd signed a contract and was toward the end of October and with a start date of January one and, and away we went. Man. That, was, that was how I got in. So a key takeaway for me, for those folks that are listening, you know, if you're trying to begin the conversation, the one thing I heard there, it's a little unique. You were asking to buy the agency before you're even in it. But the one thing, Kyle, you weren't scared of is you were persistent. So I think from a buyer perspective, right, you were persistent and you were not afraid to just start the conversation. Too often, folks are scared to start the conversation. And Doug, how did that strike you? I mean, you know, the persistency in the conversation, what, when did the light bulb go off and why did you show up in this driveway that morning? Well, the persistency was part of the key because anybody that's going to ask me 25 times to do anything has what it takes to sell insurance because the biggest weakness that we all know in this insurance business that people survive in is they don't ask for the business. You've got to ask everybody. You've got to ask repeatedly and you've got to ask again and again. And so 
I knew from what I had seen personally of Kyle that he had what it takes to make it in the insurance business. And because of that, I knew he was the guy. He was young enough. His family was here. His parents' family's here. His wife's or his his parents are here. His wife's parents are here. So they're going to stay in Abilene. I wanted somebody that was going to stay in Abilene, that loved Abilene like I did, that wasn't going to try to move it to some other town. So we had the buyer and we had the seller that were both wanting the same things. We have a culture here in our agency that Kyle and I have together. He primarily has developed it, but I knew he would take over the similar culture that I'd already developed. We're very community-minded, extremely community-minded. I knew Kyle was the same way. So everything just lined up. I wanted to see happen because I wanted to be able to walk out the door someday and not have anybody know I walked out the door. And so that was how we set up the contract. We set up the contract so that Kyle bought me out over a period of 10 years in that we sold him a fourth of the agency over that 10-year period. We had several lenders tell us that if I could get 25% of the equity to him at the end of that 10 years, they would loan him the money to borrow for the rest of the agency. So that solidified my other concern. And that would be when I get out, I want out and I want my money. My wife and or family have to worry about what happens if something happens to me or something happens to Kyle. I don't have any question that Kyle's going to succeed, but Kyle's killed in a car wreck three years down the road. My wife gets the agency back or I get the agency back. I'm not going to be happy. So we have a mutual friend that has a hardware store in town. He sold it. And after I think it was six years, the guy that had bought it basically went bankrupt because he tried to expand too fast, too big. And that guy was 70 some years old and had to come out of retirement and take his business back. I didn't want that to happen. Like I said, I'm not worried about Kyle having that issue, but there's, it can happen. So we sat down and we put a key life policy in force so that if anything happened to either one of us, that policy would buy out our spouses. And Kyle loves to remind me to this day that I'm worth more money to him dead than I am alive. So I get reminded of that. I get reminded of that every time I get on an airplane or go on a fishing trip or hunting trip. He reminds me of that. So he says, don't, you know, you're going elk hunting. Don't fall off the mountain. I do preface it. I do preface it with that. I love you. And I'd miss that's it. Right. That's right. You'd sure help me out. So that's, it's interesting. So I want to recap a little bit for those listening. So what we heard already in the conversation is you had a healthy operation. You're yep. growing at 10% a year. That was the target, right? So digit growth rates about 2X the industry average. So Kyle was stepping into something that was healthy and that was prospering. You had, you know, a willing a willing seller in yourself, right, to think creatively on how do we structure structure this. And you had Kyle as an able buyer, you know, in terms of, you know, how do you define able, right? Which leads into the fourth pillar of perpetuation, the effective transfer mechanism, which is how you structured it. So just for everyone listening, the way that you structured it, if I heard it correctly, was over a 10-year period that Kyle, through sweat equity and growing the agency, would have a chance to, to get 25% of the agency at the end of that 10 years. Yeah. And, and he it, was that over time. And to do that, basically, we cut a bonus check or a dividend check every month to Kyle and Doug. Yep. And then Kyle turns right around and gives his dividend check back to me. If you will, I gave him a fourth of the agency, but then he's in turn paying it back. A lot of people don't understand why you would do that or how that may go. Did I literally give him a fourth of the agency? Yes. But at the same time, he's paying me a factor of the agency at the end of the 10-year period. And as he's already said, it will be double what I was then. So 
I may have given him a fourth of it then, but I'm getting that return at the end significantly. Two X that return, right? Right. Um, Exactly. Which is the beautiful thing of that concept, right? Which I think so many times people think about perpetuation as a finite period of time, right? So the way you guys structured it is really in kind of an open hands philosophy in the sense of, Doug, you said, I will have a smaller piece of a much bigger pie. Exactly. And Kyle, it allowed you to essentially earn through sweat equity that 25%, which at the end of the 10 years, you can go to a lender and say, you know, you can borrow all the money to buy and hand him that cash check and he walks away. So now it's between you, Kyle, and the lender and Doug is free and clear to step away. And you've had team to work together to figure out the transition. Right. Am I missing anything there, guys? In you terms know, of how you structured that? No, that's actually, it, it makes a lot of sense even more now to to us because we, you know, we had to kind of wade through some stuff in the process, you know, because it, it's more than dollars and cents. It, anybody who's in tune with what's going on in our in our industry right now understands that, you know, if you if you're going to perpetuate within, you're probably going to take less money than a private equity firm can come in and pay, you know, but there's, there's been some benefits for Doug. Doug carried the note and he made some interest on it. Doug, for our staff, the big benefit has been that in the middle of this, this stock transition where I'm paying every month, I've become more hands-on initially. And now I'm running the agency as, as Doug is, you know, He's still the majority owner, but he's the minority decision maker. Obviously, our partnership has worked extremely well. If something I'm, if I'm going, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, Doug and I have conversations daily. Hey, what do you think about? Hey, what do you think about? And, you know, the other thing that that has worked really well for us is that I think any new agency owner is excited, right? They're, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, you know, Doug's never squelched that. He said, hey, Think about this. Think about that. How are we going to afford this? How we, and, and I've had to go back and take my excitement and go, okay, put it down on paper. Here's how we're going to, here's what we're going to do. So, you know, been an amazing mentor, has let me, you know, go out and do some things, trip and fall, fail, but not fail to the point where we're putting the agency at risk. Four years ago or five years ago, probably four years ago now, Harrison Kyle went through a, a, a class called OPEX which was put together by the Texas Insurance uh, Association. And that was a huge investment. It was a $10,000 investment. And Kyle and I agreed that if if he's going to do that, you know, then he's going to learn a lot of management that he really needs to start managing the agency. Yeah. And so that was a mutual agreement. It was his ask, but I agreed, of course, that there was, that just made total sense. I love to sell insurance. I'm not a manager. Kyle's a manager. He learned to manage when he sold cars. He was a sales manager for a Ford agent or for a Ford car sales. He he went through a tremendous amount of HR stuff, management stuff. Kyle has taken the whole agency management picture to another level, but we had to tell the agency staff that so you know Kyle's running this place now. Yeah. You know, this isn't, I mean, yeah, Doug and Debbie own have the major ownership, but Kyle's running this place now. And that 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 kind of that inflection point was when he really took that class. Hi, how many years into the transition was when he when he took that class? We were about I think we were about five years in. Okay, so about, about midway, through. midway through, right? That ten year period. Midway through that ten year period. Yes, Doug, you're the majority of the year, but you had seen enough to where he proved himself 
And that's when it kind of flipped to where he was the majority decision maker, where you were the majority owner. So you're getting all, you're reaping the, the benefits of his hard work, right? But it's a win for everyone. He gets a chance to step into that ownership role. That yeah, way, yeah. When the ten comes, you know, it's not it's not terrifying, and you know, the agency's in in great hands. And so that's cool. I think that's neat in that transition time timeline. And was it? You know, guys, I think one thing I dug, I heard you say, which I think is probably something for everyone listening, that if in your agency, a lot of times the owner of the agency loves selling, producer at heart. And that's part of this conversation of new buyers being willing to step in and do more, you know, to take that, you know, load off the shoulders of the owner of the agency. Was that appealing to you to really, you could get back to selling? And Absolutely. Kind of first Absolutely. And I haven't probably sold as hard as Kyle would have liked to see me sell because I also play pretty hard, especially in the summertime. But it freed me up, number one. It solidified the fact that when I walk, nobody's, as far as staff or customers, is really going to know that I walked. And, and, and again, when I say walk, I don't, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to work for Kyle for indefinitely. I don't know if I'm going to stay three years, five years, 10 years. I don't know however long he wants me to stay and however long I feel like staying. As I, I don't, you know, I, as I told him, I don't have any clue how long I'm going to want to stick around, but he's already told me he wants me to stay around for at least three years. That's great. You know, and I, and we haven't, we haven't finalized all that stuff as our arrangement for how we're going to do things. But I mean, I, I want to continue to sell insurance. That's what I enjoy doing. I want to keep working for, obviously for smart insurance. I want to keep talking to customers. That's what I love to do. But yes, it was a, the whole goal of the transition. I have to let my ego go and my finance greed go and look forward to what's best for the agency. Because I had a guy that did that for me. So I'm doing that for Kyle. And as he said, could I got maybe twice as much money for the agency? Yeah. And then it'd be owned by God knows what retirement group in Canada or some crazy, you know, and, and what's that going to do for the city of Abilene, Kansas? You know, then there are a couple of pieces of advice that maybe I've got for, for people who are listening. You know, I've talked to other people that were in similar shoes to me that kind of go on a handshake. That's a little scary. Doug and I put everything in writing. You know, we wanted to make sure that, that we were going to be fair to Doug. We wanted to make sure that we were going to be fair to me. We were made sure we wanted to be fair to Smart Insurance. We wanted to be fair to our wives. Yeah. Because as I told Kyle, I don't want to work for his wife. He didn't want to work for my wife. God love them both. But, you know, that, that wasn't in the picture. There's just so many, as you know, as you start working through contracts and things, there's, things get brought up and things are a little sticky and you got to have those, you know, courageous conversations to say, hey, look, I'm I'm okay with this or okay with that. And how do we get work around it? But there's always been such a mutual respect, I think, from both of us in both directions that. Those conversations may have been a little uncomfortable, but they always went extremely well. Yeah, I think too often, you know, we'll be working with agencies and we'll say, we'll ask the question, do you have a perpetuation? Do you have that perpetuation? And the answer is, yeah, we do. We've got it. And too often, Kyle, to your point, it's not written down. And then if it is written down, they have a plan and it's written down, but it's not a funded, right? They don't have a way to actually pull off the funding piece, which you guys saw for in that period of time, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, it can be gifting in family situations. You know, there's a lot of different options that are out. I love the model you guys use. I think that's creative. And a lot of it just depends circumstantially. So I think as we kind of I'm looking at time here, I want to make sure that, you know, as you think about similar sized agencies, agencies that are going through this transition and starting to think about the, you know, the conversation of ownership transition, because it's it's in our face. You know, we're going to have this generational shift, this change 
in the insurance distribution force. We have 30, over 35,000 agents and brokers in the U.S. and the average age of an owner is 57 years old. So it's so. what pieces of advice based on your experience would you give those folks that are about to start entering this or maybe already started the process? What things would you give them based on what you've learned in your journey at Smart Insurance? Well, I think that for, from the owner side, you need to be concerned about the business. It's your business. You build it. You want to continue. Don't be greedy. I mean, if you've done your due diligence and you've worked hard and you've been halfway smart, you're going to have enough money that you're going to have the money you need to go through retirement, you know, without any problems. Greed kills a lot of deals. Kyle and I have even recently been working with a couple of different situations where we might have some other agencies. And, and it's amazing how greedy people can be. In particular, one of them that we're working on right now, greed's probably going to kill it, you know, and, and that's a problem. You can't, you can't do that if you want to have a successful transition. The agency and the continuation of the employees and, and the customers, I think, is the most important thing to keep looking at forward. I guess probably the piece of advice I'd give is that I, yeah, I would hope that majority owner station early. Again, one of the deals we're working on, owners like, I only will be here a couple more years. Well, if you're going to invest a lot of money in something, you'd like to make sure that you get your return on your investment. And obviously life can happen. You're, you're taking a chance when you purchase an agency that retention is going to stay strong. You know, if, if all of a sudden you go in and overturn the apple cart and it's just different, now the new owner is in a, in a very precarious, you know, situation to try and hold on to business yet go out and buy, you know, or go out and write new business to, to grow the agency. So those who want to see their agency continue Start that process early. Plan on being around a little while, even if you're the majority stakeholder for a long time. I think that there's a, a thought process that, hey, I'll sell it and I'll walk out the door. And, and from a buyer's perspective, that's a little that's a little scary. These agencies are worth, you know, a lot of money. And banks in turn want to make sure that, you know, you're going to be able to make your payment and that they've got a good risk. Start early, it'd be my yeah, that's one of the questions that had some conversations with some lenders looking forward to doing things. And that's one of the things that they always ask is, well, I mean, I'm not the reason that 90% of our business is in smart insurance, but the banker thinks that. So their question is, how long are you going to be around? Because if they know I'm going to be around for three to five years, that gives them some comfort. Whether it, Do I think it's going to make any difference whether I'm here or not? Not really. You know, maybe a few, but not not that many, but it makes the banker much more comfortable. That's awesome, guys. Well, thank you for the time. And I think you know, this is such a, it's such a difficult topic, something someone, you know, so many people are struggling with. And I think attached to this podcast, we will have a lot of resources attached to it. Uh, we have, uh, we did a private ownership study at Reagan Consulting that we published, you know, a few years back. And in the latest copy of the best practices study, there's a supplemental update to that study. So, and obviously, you know, any, any one of us on this call, we welcome folks to reach out to us if they want to have Absolutely. a conversation. Because the, big, the biggest thing is if you haven't started, you're too late. You're the seller or the buyer. Get her done. That's it. Get her done. There we go. All right. All right. Thanks, guys, for the time today. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Harrison. Harrison. Take care.